What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, September 2nd, 2022. Coming up this hour, global bonds slump into a bear market. Investors brace for the August jobs report. President Biden takes aim at Donald Trump and his supporters in a primetime speech. And we'll tell you which chipmaker is bucking the trend with a strong forecast. A former New York police officer receives the longest sentence yet in the January 6th Capitol riot. Plus, the CDC signs off on new COVID booster shots. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Mets beat the Dodgers. The Yankees begin a big series tonight at Tampa Bay. And Serena Williams plays tonight at the U.S. Open. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. futures are little change this morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. And again, futures, little change. The 10-year Treasury, little changed as well. The yield is at 3.25%, and the yield on the two-year, 3.50%. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.9%, or $2.55, at $89.16 a barrel. Bitcoin this morning at $20,090. Amy. Well, Karen, we begin with some stability in the equity markets this morning as we close out the trading week. The S&P 500 and Dow Jones Industrial Average both snapped four-day losing streaks yesterday. Still, we are in a traditionally tough period for stocks. The S&P has averaged declines of six and seven-tenths of a percent for August and September over the past 25 years. Liz Young is head of investment strategy at Sophie. Going into the end of August, and now we've started September, Next week, everybody sort of comes back into the fold, and that's when I would expect volatility to pick back up again. We're certainly not out of the woods. I don't think that we're going to get out of a trading range for a while and until we at least hear that inflation has cooled. SoFi's Liz Young puts the odds at 50-50 for a recession next year. Meantime, Amy, global bonds have slumped into their first bear market in a generation. The Bloomberg Global Aggregate Total Return Index of Government and Investment Grade Corporate Bonds has fallen more than 20% from its peak last year. Officials from the U.S. to Europe have hammered home the importance of higher interest rates, building on the hawkish message from Fed Chair Jay Powell at the Jackson Hole Symposium last week. The direction of today's bond and equity markets may be determined in about three and a half hours. That's when we get the U.S. jobs report for August. Economists forecast a gain of 298,000 jobs. We get a preview from Bloomberg's Michael McKee. The jobs data are something of a one-way bet for Wall Street. If the number is surprisingly high, as it was last month, it probably locks in a Fed rate hike of 75 basis points at the next meeting. A weaker-than-expected report won't necessarily guarantee only a 50 basis point move. A big increase in consumer prices, data yet to come, could change views. 
After financial conditions loosened in August, payrolls may give a little more clarity on how much impact the Fed's tightening has already had. Watch the changes in the unemployment and participation rates and in the number of people who lost their jobs during the month. Michael McKee, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thank you, Mike. And please stick with Bloomberg Radio and Television all morning for full coverage of the August jobs report and join us at 945 Wall Street time. We'll speak live with Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. Well, investors look for a slowdown in jobs, Amy. Inflation is still front and center for the Fed. Atlanta Fed President Raphael Bostic says the U.S. Central Bank's campaign to cool inflation is still not complete. He told students at Georgia Tech the current pace of inflation was a long way from the Fed's 2% goal. Another major story we're following this morning, President Biden taking aim at Donald Trump and so-called MAGA Republicans last night. In a primetime address, the president urged Americans to reject any Trump-backed candidate in the November midterm elections. Too much of what's happening in our country today is not normal. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republicans represent an extremism that threatens the very foundations of our republic. As President Biden takes aim on Donald Trump's ideology, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is calling on Biden to apologize for invoking fascism when describing the former president. In the past two years, Joe Biden has launched an assault on the soul of America. McCarthy made his remarks before President Biden's speech. So what's the potential impact from President Biden's primetime speech, Amy? While Bloomberg politics contributor Rick Davis says the president is trying to create a wedge between mainstream Republicans and those who embrace the Make America Great Again ideology. This kind of, you know, sort of setting up the wedge, you know, independents don't be drawn into that Republican Party. These are run by MAGA. And what he's trying to do is cobble together that 51 percent he got in the general election two years ago. And he needs that 51 percent to show up on uh, the midterms. And Bloomberg Politics contributor Rick Davis said President Biden traditionally tends to avoid wedge politics as seen by his partisan legislative accomplishments over the past few months. Now let's turn from politics to corporate America, where we have a couple of changes in the C-suite. Starbucks has named Reckitt Ben Keyser chief executive, Loxman Narisman, to be its next CEO. Narisman is a veteran of the consumer industry, and he'll join Starbucks next month, while longtime leader Howard Schultz stays in charge. Narisman will fully take over in April. Meantime, Shell is shortlisted candidates to succeed CEO Ben Van de Buren. He is preparing to step down in 2023 after almost a decade at the oil giant. Reuters says candidates include Weil Sawan, the company's head of integrated gas and renewables, as well as Hybert Vigivino, the head of downstream refining operations. And now let's check out some stocks on the move this morning. Shares of Broadcom are up more than 2%. The chipmaker gave a strong sales forecast for the current quarter. The outlook suggests Broadcom is sidestepping a broader decline in chip demand, at least for now. Other suppliers, including NVIDIA, Intel, and Micron Technology, have predicted a steep sales slowdown. And shares of Lululemon are up almost 10%. The maker of athletic attire raising its full-year outlook. The company seeks to double its sales by 2026 by selling more goods to men and expanding Lululemon's footprint abroad. Futures this morning, they are little change. NYMEX crude oil is on the rise. And straight ahead, we have your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. 
All right, thank you, Karen. It's 5.07 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr now with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Amy. A stiff sentence was handed down for a former New York City police officer convicted of assaulting a police officer during the January 6th Capitol attack at the uh, during the riot. Thomas Webster faces 10 years in prison for brutally assaulting a law enforcement officer on January 6th. It is the longest prison sentence to date for a defendant during the Capitol riot. Webster sobbed in court saying he wishes he never had gone to the Capitol that day. Lawyers for the Justice Department and former President Trump faced off in a Florida courtroom over whether there should be a special master assigned to review top-secret documents the FBI seized last month at Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate. The judge did not issue an immediate ruling. U.N. inspectors have braved the crossfire of Ukraine and Russian forces to get inside Europe's largest nuclear plant. The long-awaited visit to the Russian-occupied facility comes as one of its reactors was shut down temporarily due to the fighting. Raphael Grossi is leading the International Atomic Energy Agency team inspecting the plant. I have just completed a first tour of the key areas that we wanted to see in this first uh, approach uh, to the whole facility. The IAEA's Rafael Grossi. COVID booster shots that target the most common new variants of the virus should become available in the U.S. within days. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention signed off on the rollout of updated vaccines. Dr. David Agus. These are the first time there's been a change to the COVID-19 vaccine since they were launched in December of 2020. And the hope is this booster, which includes the BA4 and BA5 spike protein, as well as the original Wuhan spike protein, will cause a broader immune response to enable protection from the current variants in the United States, as well as future variants. Dr. Agus spoke to CBS. The boosters will be made by Pfizer and rival Moderna. A man was arrested in Argentina after pointing a gun at Vice President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner as she greeted supporters outside of residence in Buenos Aires. The incident comes at a time in which Argentina is bitterly polarized after years of economic crisis and political infighting. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. 509 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. A trade of Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks made perfect sense. The Utah Jazz were looking to deal their star guard. The Knicks need a big-time player. Mitchell's a New Yorker. His father worked many years for the Mets. Two teams did a lot of talking, but when the Jazz traded Mitchell, he went to Cleveland. The Cavs gave up Colin Sexton, Laurie Market, and three first-round draft picks. Good news for the Mets. Not only they're come from behind, 5-3 to three win over the MLB leading Dodgers to win the series. Chris Bassett getting his 12th win. Mets winning with two runs in the sixth inning, two more in the seventh. The Mets' next 16 games, 21 of their next 24 are all against sub-500 teams. That starts tonight at City Field against Washington, and that should help them hold off Atlanta in the NL East. The Braves still three games behind. They shut out Colorado 3-0 for Atlanta rookie Spencer Strider. Eight scoreless innings. He allowed only two hits, no walks, and he struck out 16. A month ago, the Yankees led Tampa Bay by 15 and a half games. Their lead is now six. If they get swept this weekend, it's down to three. Domingo Herman faces the Rays tonight. For the third night this week, it is Serena Williams' night at the U.S. Open. Serena tonight taking on 
Alza Tomjanovic from Croatia. She's ranked 48th. It'll be another huge pro Serena crowd at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Serena and Venus Williams lost their first round doubles match last night. Also last night, Rafael Nadal won in four sets. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Amy? All right, thank you, John. Checking the markets now, S&P futures up two, Dow futures up seven, NASDAQ futures up four and a half, 10-year Treasury unchanged, the yield at 3.25%, the two-year yield at 3.49%. Much more still to come on this Friday morning on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather today. Abundant sunshine to start your long holiday weekend. Going up to 80 degrees, 85 tomorrow, 90 degrees on Sunday. Labor Day, a cloudy one going up to 80. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. And U.S. stock index futures are little change this morning ahead of a key U.S. jobs report that could stir expectations for another sharp Federal Reserve interest rate hike. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P, Dow, NASDAQ futures, all little change. The DAX in Germany is up one and a third percent. Ten-year Treasury down one thirty-second, yield 3.25 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.49 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.4 percent. Up two dollars five cents at eighty-eight dollars seventy cents a barrel. Comex Gold is up four tenths percent, or six dollars forty cents at seventeen fifteen seventy an ounce. The euro is at point nine nine seven eight against the dollar. British pound one point one five five one, and the yen at one forty point three three. Bitcoin this morning is it's a little changed at twenty thousand eighty dollars. In the August jobs report, out at eight thirty Wall Street time, factory orders and durable goods orders are out at ten. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's. Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. President Joe Biden stepped up attacks on former President Trump and GOP lawmakers. During his primetime speech, Biden accused Trump and his supporters of endangering U.S. democracy. The U.S. called Iran's response to the latest effort to revive the 2015 nuclear accord not constructive, raising questions about whether the two sides can reach a deal that would free more oil for global markets. At the U.S. Open, Serena and Venus Williams were eliminated after losing their doubles match. Serena Williams will play tonight in the third round of singles. In baseball, the Mets, Red Sox, and Orioles won. The Nationals beat the A's 7-5. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 519 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. We're joined now by senior economist Jennifer Lee at BMO Capital Markets. Jennifer, thank you for taking the time with us on this Friday morning. As you know, we're waiting for this critical jobs report. It's just a few hours from now. How much is riding on this report? Oh, good morning. Um, you know what? It's uh, it's always a market-moving uh, um, report, uh, clearly, but in terms of for the Fed, I think it holds second place to what is probably more important for the Federal Reserve, and that will be the September 13th CPI report. Having said that, you know, obviously um, jobs are, are, are super important just for the health of the overall U.S. economy and for the consumer. 
what are you going to be looking for today? So obviously the headline, uh, we're actually a bit below consensus at 250,000. Um, I'm actually very interested in what happens to the revisions. Um, um, sometimes, you know, I think we always uh, miss what happens behind the scenes, mm. but that stunning 528,000 uh, increase in July, I'm uh, wondering whether or not that is going to hold, and, you know, the over 350,000 jobs for the few months before that as well. So revisions for sure, the jobless rate, uh, average hourly earnings as a measure of inflation. It'd be good news uh, if, it's, uh, if it's pretty solid because, again, uh, good news for consumers, for, uh, for household spending, but, of course, bad news for the Fed because that it would um, suggest that they would have to tighten a bit further um, and maybe a bit, a bit longer as well, depending on how much the increase will be. I, I've heard you talk about that before. A strong number may be good for the economy. Uh, the Fed would have to keep tightening, though, whereas a weak number may be not so delightful. However, the Fed may be not having to be so aggressive. So then would the bottom line be maybe higher employment not so bad? Higher employment is always good for the, the macroeconomy, but you know these days it's, it's so it's so warped almost that you know we're right. you know we're we're looking for almost hoping perhaps I don't know if I can say that, but for a weaker figure just to suggest that the Fed will can kind of breathe a little bit easier and have a bit more breathing room, but of course you know nobody wants to see a, 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 a like a, a very negative jobs report, so something you know almost Goldilocks ish you know something you know like I said two hundred fifty thousand you know for our call is is still a strong number, but you know it wouldn't be heated enough for the Fed to, you know, for people to start thinking about, you know, anything bigger than 50 beats. Right. That's a fine line to have to walk. But the Fed mm-hmm. chair himself had said that the labor market was imbalanced. That's how he had described it, imbalanced. Now, people do seem to be waiting on the sidelines, but the jobs are out there. I mean, we know that. But when will things start to loosen up? In terms of the in terms of monetary policy or in terms of the, the job market? I think for the job market, once people start... Um, I mean, there's still 11 million uh, jobs out there, you know, waiting right. for, uh, for for takers. It's, it's crazy, and you know, it's almost um, um, double the number of unemployed Americans. And it's, uh, you know, you just need to get those people back on, you know, off the sidelines, back into the into the job market. You know, people have retired early, for example, and you know, they might have to be enticed, you know, to you know, with uh, you know, different types of carrots to to be brought back in. And at some point, you know, uh, it's, you know, you can't stay off forever. And at some point, you're going to have to come in for whatever reason. But, uh, you know, once those start, those uh, job openings start declining, I think, you know, it'll probably be an indication that it's, you know, that's not as tight as it used to be. Now, when we started this interview, you mentioned that even more important than today's jobs report is the CPI report coming out in September. Are you already looking ahead to September and that CPI report? Uh, we are. So, you know, we're, we're looking, I mean, it, it, we're, I don't think we're going to hit, go back to that 9.1% um, peak that we saw a couple months ago. So the fact that we're just pulled away from that is is, is very encouraging news. At the same time, you know, um, I think inflation is going to remain elevated, like elevated enough so that the Fed will continue to raise rates over the course of the rest of 2022. So we're looking for, you know, a 50 basis point hike uh, in, in September, um, 50 basis uh, the month after that, and then 25 in December. But, you know, there's if there's a risk, it would be that they tighten a bit more. But again, it, all, it, it will probably settle on whatever happens to the uh, August CPI. 
All right, Senior Economist Jennifer Lee at BMO Capital Markets. Always a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time with us on this Friday morning as we look ahead to the August jobs report that is coming out just a couple of hours from now. Uh, We're going to keep you posted with those numbers. Still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, we'll be checking the markets and bringing you the latest news in business, economics, and finance. Let's do a quick data check for you. S&P futures uh, down a quarter. Dow futures down two. NASDAQ futures down seven and a quarter. The 10-year Treasury down 132nd, the yield at 3.26%, the two-year yield at 3.5%. Much more still to come on this Friday morning edition of Bloomberg Daybreak. We're going to take a closer look at what President Biden said about former President Trump in his primetime speech last night, some of the reaction to that, and we'll continue to look ahead at today, today's August jobs report. Much more still to come on Bloomberg Daybreak. Stay with us. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Abundant sunshine today going up to 80 degrees. 85 tomorrow for Sunday. Sunshine going up to 90 and then 80 degrees on Labor Day with cloudy skies. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good Friday morning. I'm Amy Morris. And I'm Karen Moscow. We're just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. We begin with some stability in equity markets to close the trading week. The S&P and Dow both snapping four-day losing streaks yesterday. Still, August and September are traditionally tough months for investors. Mira Pandit is global market strategist with J.P. Morgan Asset Management. We need to be really careful about how we're looking at stocks and very much looking at a bottoms-up basis, being selective about earnings, being selective about valuations. There are still areas of froth in the market that we need to to see come down, but a lot of that has taken place already. So I do think we don't want to be overly defensive or overly cautious. J.P. Morgan's Mira Pandit says investors should be focusing on high-quality companies. Meantime, global bonds have slumped into their first bear market in a generation. The Bloomberg Global Aggregate Total Return Index of Government and Investment Grade Corporate Bonds has fallen more than 20% from its 2021 peak. The direction of today's bond and equity session may be determined by the August jobs report. Amy, we get the reading at 8.30 Wall Street time. Neela Richardson is ADP's chief economist. I'm looking at 290,000 jobs. The key numbers to watch within that report is the wage gains, because that's what's important to the Fed and whether or not the tightness of the labor market is actually leading to a wage price spiral that the Fed has to take control. ADP's Neela Richardson says there's softness in the labor market in some sectors, specifically those sensitive to interest rates. And please do stick with Bloomberg Radio and Television all morning for full coverage of the August jobs report. And join us at 945 Wall Street time when we speak live with U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh. Let's turn to politics now, where President Biden is taking aim at Donald Trump and so-called MAGA Republicans. In last night's primetime TV address, he urged Americans to fight Trump-backed candidates in the November midterms and reject those who deny the 2020 election results. 
working right now as I speak in state after state to give power to decide elections in America to partisans and cronies, empowering election deniers to undermine democracy itself. President Biden also said the majority of Republicans are not so-called extreme MAGA Republicans. And a quick note, Amy, on corporate leadership this morning, Starbucks has named Luxman Nerisman as its next CEO. Futures this morning are little change. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines, plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thank you, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr with more on what else is going on in New York and around the world. Thank you very much, Amy. A former New York City police officer says he wishes he had never gone to the Capitol on January 6th. A court gave Thomas Webster the longest prison sentence yet for that attack. Webster will spend the next 10 years in prison, three years longer than the most severe punishment given any of the January 6th Capitol rioters. Webster, sobbing in court, says that he was overwhelmed and frustrated by the false stolen election claims. A U.N. inspection team has arrived at Ukraine's nuclear power plant that is occupied by Russian troops. The team from the International Atomic Energy Agency reached the site amid fighting between Russian and Ukrainian forces that prompted the shutdown of one reactor. IAEA Chief Rafael Grossi. Of course, there is uh, a lot more uh, to do. Uh, my team is uh, staying on, and more importantly, and most importantly, we are establishing a continued presence uh, by the, uh, from the IEA uh, here. IAEA Chief Rafael Grossi. The CDC endorsed updated COVID-19 boosters. The tweaked shots made by Pfizer and rival Moderna offer Americans a chance to get the most up-to-date protection. Dr. Alok Patel. We're not going to eradicate COVID-19, but we have to do what we can to hedge our behavior against any potential infections, false surge, and also long COVID and all these other complications. Dr. Alok Patel spoke to ABC. The pandemic has taken a toll on public education. A new federal study shows declines in the reading and math scores of nine-year-olds compared to 2020. Dr. Peggy Carr with the U.S. Department of Education says access to instructors could be part of the problem. Lower-income students and students who are already struggling academically said they they were less likely to say they had access to teachers. This is not good. Dr. Carr says the average math score fell seven points, while the average reading score fell five points to levels last seen two decades ago. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg Gaming. All right. Thank you, Michael. 5.35 on Wall Street. Time now for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, Amy. When Knicks fans see their team play Cleveland and they watch Donovan Mitchell playing for the Cavs, they're going to wonder why he's not wearing a Knicks uniform instead. Mitchell's a New York native, wanted to come home. The Knicks clearly wanted to acquire him, but they kept feeling Utah was asking for too much in return, and now he's off to the Cavs. The Jazz instead taking the Cleveland offer. Colin Sexton, Laurie Markkinen, first-round draft picks in 2025, 27, and 29. At City Field, Mets facing Clayton Kershaw just came off the injury list. They trailed the Dodgers 3-1, to but they got to the L.A. bullpen. Two runs in the sixth inning, two more in the seventh. A 5-3 win for Chris Bassett's 12th victory. Mets take two of three from a Dodger team whose record is 90-40. and Mets are home tonight for Washington. The Nationals are the 
MLB's worst team. And the Mets play 16 games in a row now versus sub-500 teams. Atlanta still three games behind. Braves rookie Spencer Strider shut out Colorado in eight innings. He allowed only two hits, and he struck out 16. Miserable month of August. Over for the Yankees. They went 10-18. and 18. It was their worst month since 1991. And their AL East lead is down to six over Tampa Bay, and they t- visit the Rays this weekend. At the U.S. Open, Rafael Nadal playing last night. His racket hit his nose on his follow-through. His nose was bloody. Nadal felt dizzy. He said later that had never happened to before. He wasn't able to finish the match and win in four sets. The third seeded Spaniard, Carlos Alcaraz, won his match. So did American Francis Tiafo. On the women's side, Danielle Collins, Jess Pagula. Venus and Serena Williams lost their doubles match. Serena back at Arthur Ashe Stadium tonight. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. Amy. All right, thank you, John. It's 5.37 on Wall Street. Time now for the Tri-State Business Report. Here with that is Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The Amazon Labor Union's victory at a Staten Island warehouse should be upheld, according to a U.S. Labor Board official. That deals a major setback to Amazon's efforts to have the vote overturned. A hearing officer says the company has not shown any objectionable conduct that affected the results of the election. Casanova College, a small private school in New York, missed a bond payment due Thursday. The college entered into a forbearance agreement with a trustee on the bond sale. The college sold $25 million worth of tax-exempt and taxable bonds in 2019. New Jersey's Economic Development Authority wants to jumpstart the redevelopment of underused government buildings and other publicly owned properties. A new program offers grants worth up to $50,000, which are being offered to pay for things like feasibility, studies, market analysis, and other programs. At your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report, I'm Ed Corey. All right, thank you, Ed. It is 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podusk, and on KNX in Los Angeles, we're talking about NBC Universal exploring massive television budget cuts. I'm Courtney Dunahoe on KFAB in Omaha. The cost of growing food in the U.S. is set to rise by the most ever this year. I'm Stephen Carroll on DAB Digital Radio in London. We've been reporting on hopes that gas flows will return through the Nord Stream pipeline from Russia on Saturday. I'm Lisa Mateo, and on WBZ in Boston, I'll be reporting on Starbucks naming a new chief. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting Meyer is launching a new small format grocery store. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell's speech at last week's Central Banking Conference in Wyoming was brief, but financial markets took notice. The S&P 500 fell sharply as investors adjusted their thinking on how tough the Fed is willing to be to rein in inflation. Powell said that restoring price stability is the Fed's overarching focus, which investors saw as a new message. Yet the central bank still has work to do in explaining itself intelligibly, particularly since last week's speech, contained hints of a commitment to keeping rates high regardless of circumstances. The fact remains the Fed can do forward guidance or it can be nimble 
but not both. With the economy so hard to read, it should not suggest that there's any set path, high or low, for interest rates. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Editorial Board. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash Opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. Bloomberg Opinion editorials can be heard every weekday at this time, and Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. Much more still to come. Stay with us on Bloomberg Daybreak. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, abundant sunshine. We're going up to 80 degrees today. Sunshine tomorrow going up to 85. It'll be 90 on Sunday and Labor Day, 80 degrees with clouds. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. U.S. stock index futures are little changed this morning ahead of key U.S. jobs data that could stir expectations for another sharp Federal Reserve interest rate hike. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P and Dow futures, but little change. NASDAQ futures are now moving a bit lower, down about 13 points. The DAX in Germany is higher, up 1.3%. The 10-year Treasury down 132nd, yield 3.25%. The yield on the two-year, 3.49%. NYMEX crude oil is up 2%, up $1.77 at $88.38 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent, or $7.70, at $17.17, 10 an ounce. The euro is at .9994 against the dollar. British pound 1.1562, the yen 140.34, and Bitcoin this morning is higher, up three-tenths percent at $20,130. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you very much. Holding back little President Joe Biden is sounding an alarm about what he views as extremist threats to the nation's democracy from former President Trump and MAGA Republicans. In a primetime speech last night, Biden framed the November elections as part of an ongoing battle for the soul of the nation. A man was arrested after pointing a gun at Argentina's vice president in Buenos Aires. The man pulled the trigger, but the gun did not fire. In tennis, Serena and Venus Williams were eliminated after losing their doubles match in round one at the U.S. Open last night. Serena Williams will play tonight in the third round of singles. In baseball, the Mets, Red Sox, and Orioles won. The Nationals beat the A's 7-5. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg, Amy. All right. Thank you, Michael. It is 549 on Wall Street. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios on Bloomberg Daybreak. President Biden's primetime address to the nation last night sounded an alarm about what he views as extremist threats to the nation's democracy. We're joined live now by Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. And Jack, President Biden seems to want to make voters angry, for lack of a better word, over extremism, kind of take their frustration out of the ballot box. What struck you about the president's speech last night? You know, I, I didn't go into it expecting any huge surprises because he had given a similar speech two days before. And I actually think that the main takeaway here is just the fact that the president is trying to use uh, the most high profile means possible, a primetime speech uh, at the site of the signing of the Constitution in Philadelphia to 
emphasize this, but I will say the fact that he named former President Donald Trump early on directly in the speech, whereas President Biden previously had talked about, you know, MAGA Republicans, extremists, January 6th, without invoking Trump's name, kind of trying to sidestep the idea that this is a personal battle. In, in this case, he almost immediately mentioned Donald Trump by name and said, that's the issue. That's who I'm talking about. Uh, I, I don't know if it's possible for him to uh, I, I guess metaphorically put Trump on the ballot box, but he wants to communicate to people uh, the centrality that Trump has in the Republican Party right now, the influence he has on their primaries, uh, and the fact that the the legal issues around Trump and his uh, his role on January sixth are, are are very relevant still. Uh, and that stood out to me that he he almost immediately mentioned Trump by name. We heard some concerns about this possibly creating even deeper divisions within the country. Have you been hearing similar reactions? Well, that's the Republican reaction. Uh, you know, at this point, heading toward uh, the November midterms, I I don't think you're going to get uh, anything but a, a pretty partisan response to uh, a president's speech. And this, the president's speech was fairly partisan. He was criticizing uh, an aspect of the Republican Party that he uh, thinks is a threat to democracy, and that's his argument. So I, we can't exactly predict how will the general public respond to this. Will it deepen divisions or not? Uh, but it, clearly the president wanted to, to get the American people to focus more on uh, the threat of political violence, uh, the, remind people of January 6th, and uh, and I guess just flag that concern that it, it didn't go away with the 2020 election. Jack, we only have about a minute here, but I wanted to ask if he's trying to widen the tent. He mentioned the difference between mainstream Republicans and MAGA Republicans. Is he trying to get them in the Democratic tent, if only for an election cycle? Yeah, this did seem to be a speech focused not just on the Democratic core voters, but maybe Republicans who don't like the direction of the party in the last six years or so, uh, and and probably any persuadable independents. This this was a a bit of a a, a very enthusiastic speech, but it was a, a speech focused on persuading whoever might be persuadable on these issues, rather than just speaking to Democrats. So. He's, he's making an attempt in that regard. All right. Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick, I want to thank you for joining us, taking the time with us on this Friday morning, talking to us about President Biden's primetime address to the nation last night. Karen. Amy, it is 5.52 on Wall Street. It's time now for the Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning from Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. federal lawsuit alleges Wells Fargo is responsible for a 2021 data breach that exposed sensitive data, including social security numbers, of thousands of customers. A Florida pension fund is suing Abbott Laboratories, claiming the company hid problems at a baby formula plant that led to a recall and a nationwide formula shortage. The music and streaming industries will skip further legal wrangling. The two sides have a deal that locks in streaming royalty rates for the next five years. Bloomberg Law, everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. 
All right, Jeff, thanks. Now another legal news that we're watching this morning brings us to investigations centered on Donald Trump. The former president is fighting legal battles with the government on several fronts, and we're learning those fights will not be resolved before the midterm elections. For more on the reasons why and what it could mean in November, Kimberly Robinson and Lydia Wheeler speak with Bloomberg News reporter Chris Strom. There's two primary uh, reasons that we're not likely to see charges anytime soon. The first one is that there's still a, a extensive amount of work that needs to be done. Um, the government has said in court filings uh, just recently that uh, with regard to the investigation of the classified documents, they are in the early stages of their investigation and new information continues to come forward. The government is still collecting uh, evidence, uh, reviewing evidence to determine the scope of any breaches and um, there's just not um, uh, there, there's still a lot of work for them to do in 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 both the classified documents investigation and the January sixth investigation. Mm-hmm. The second reason is that um, the Justice Department also has a policy uh, that no public actions should be taken in high profile cases um, right before an election. Um, that could be seen as uh, influencing the outcome of that election. And um, the November elections are just around the corner. Traditionally, um, prosecutors have looked at that policy as, as taking place 60 days before an election, which in this case would be September 10th. Mm-hmm. Now, Trump isn't on the ballot, but Trump's candidates are on the ballot, and Trump represents a very uh, significant political force um, in this country under which people in the Justice Department um, uh, believe that the policy applies to Trump in this case. So you mentioned this policy that the DOJ has. Haven't there been some pretty uh, high-profile times, though, in the past where the department has ignored uh, that policy? Yes, uh, and department officials have come under criticism for doing so. The most, One of the most notable ones was when James Comey, the former head of the FBI, um, revealed that the FBI was reopening the investigation into Hillary Clinton uh, 10 days before the 2016 election. Um, and so uh, uh, Comey was criticized um, really from all corners for um, making that decision in a lo- and, and doing it in a way that it became public. Um, and then um, also in the 2020 election, um, the former Attorney General Bill Barr uh, came out right be- in, in the in the days right before that election and said that it would be okay for uh, uh, U.S. prosecutors to begin to talk publicly about investigations into election fraud and and their findings. And that's Bloomberg News reporter Chris Strom speaking with the Bloomberg's Kimberly Robinson and Lydia Wheeler. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. Attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg terminal at BlawGo. And we're watching futures this morning. They are a little change that ahead of the August jobs report and 
If you're looking at Europe, stocks are higher. The DAX in Germany is up one and a third percent. The CAC in Paris up half percent. And the FTSE 100 is up seven-tenths of a percent. Nikkei 225 in Japan, little change today. The 10-year Treasury down 230 seconds, yield 3.26 percent. The yield on the two-year, 3.49 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up 2.1 percent, up $1.83 at $88.44 a barrel. COMEX gold up half percent or $8.30 at $1,717.60 an ounce. Bitcoin this morning is at $20,140. And still ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak, a check on the business headlines and all the news you need to start your day. And this is Bloomberg. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com enterprise data to learn more.